Welcome to the Dude Grows panel show. What is up today, guys? We're going to learn. We've been learning on these, man. We're going to talk organics. Maybe, Scotty, go deep. Get out your notebooks for, map, dare I say, mapping microbes. Oh, we got ah. some great guests to drop some knowledge. And, and yeah, you know, get out your bowl, get out your notebook, sit back. Let's get ready to learn. I would, yeah, I wanted to do this one because I know so little about organics, and I do know some awesome people like Potentonic Steve, and I said, man, get some pros on here, and he got the the big guns. What's up, Potentonic Steve? How are you, brother? What's up, man? Thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, it's always nice to be on. Uh, it's always uh, always good times. It is, yeah. Always excellent to have you because you are never at a shortage for knowledge or good stories. Uh, hang on. At the end, I want to ask you. I want to ask you about you were in Thailand, and there's a bunch of stuff I got for you, man. AI. All right. Okay. I, I will take Chris Trump. What is up, brother? Thank you for taking oh. the to, uh, to to come hang with us, man. You're on location? Pleasure to be here. No, I am on, uh, on a work site. I'm working with a avocado farm here in san diego up in the hills outside escondido and uh yeah it's a beautiful overcast day and uh i just had my hands buried in microbes and chopping wood and and uh setting them up for for success on their diversified uh farm so i'm hanging out in, in the only place i could get service uh to talk to you guys it'd be awesome if his background kind of you know whatever you know faded out a little bit who's really on a green screen nah. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah matt powers man you're my new friend i just met you and uh, i dig you already brother well thank you for having me steven mentioned this i was in the middle of doing something else but i i made time for this because uh, i always make time for steven and chris and then it was a really nice surprise because recharge is something that i've i've looked at something i worked with and uh, yeah, yeah, it's great to be Unsolicited. here. Yeah, that was a blessing <laughs> for me. And just like, uh, and that's how I got into, well, actually, I got into soil microbes where Chris is at on my bamboo nursery because I was trying to figure out a way. I don't know. What kind of soil is that? Is that sandy soil where you're at, Chris? Yeah, definitely sandy soil. Maybe sandy, loamy soil. I don't know. Yes. It, ours was 97% uh, uh, sand, 3% or, inorganic material, and, or I'm sorry, organic material. And it was uh, hard to keep any nutrient at that root zone. It was just zoom, you know, it was just going right out, man, and into the ecosystem. So by adding organic components, whether it was just, you know, a bunch of mulch or maybe manure, all that stuff really helped build that soil. I'm in and, sand yeah. right now. Yeah, the the uh, ability for microbes to hold um, material in place and and to kind of cycle nutrients even in a in a sandy space is something that uh, can make growing possible for people uh, that would otherwise curse their sand or their clay. Uh, fungi can can really make that uh, porous and and able to take in and hold. So yeah, it it is the answer. Well done. I'm off the format already because you said fungi. We're talking about uh, 
uh, just holding nutrient. And can we just transfer that over the cannabis as far as the, when I think of mycorrhizae fungus root, right? It's a secondary root system that, uh, ready? It invaginates itself into the plant root system. I love that word. And then grows out and it allows more nutrient absorption points and more nutrient holding capacity, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's that and, and, uh, literally, Think about it as a as a giant, you know, New York skyscraper in intensely populated city. And yeah. each one of those each one of those microbes are 70 percent water and flesh like we are. So they're they themselves are nutrient rich, you know, and uh, and they have exodus. And so now they're processing the stuff you're trying to put on taking it into them it's what they had for breakfast and you know uh moving some of that through their systems i mean in a in a very simplified way of saying it uh the microbes themselves are holding capacity their their bodies being 70 percent water if there's a drought they can die off and uh and shed their contents to uh your your root system yeah i was just doing a short form uh piece of content uh, uh with high c this morning and I was explaining that the organic nutrients, they do need to be broken down before they're a plant available and they're broken down microbially. Yeah, there's so many different pathways. I really want to spend so much more time like doing more testing, especially on different different samples and different uh, cycling and uh, different years, uh, like from your all your systems, Stephen and, and Chris, uh, to get more feedback because... <clears throat> that that stage of that those stages of change between when it's just pure sand the microbes that you're adding and and receiving and and having thrive are totally different from the ones that are there three to five years from there yet their dna will still be in the system still be cycling and still be present quite often because of i mean when we want to actually break down dna it's nuts it takes hours or sometimes days and then and, and then even at that point, it's like, well, did you do it so we could see which is active DNA or which is like passive, right? <laughs> and then so, there's so all this stuff that's in the ambient environment that's dirtying up your signal. <laughs> Whoa, man. Grambo, start Googling. No, it's, help me, help me make, uh, understand how, what are you trying to accomplish or what can we learn from the soil? You're sequencing DNA? Is that sounds so cool, but I have no idea what it really means and how it would help me. All right. So the thing to understand is um, microbes have horizontal gene transfer, right? They're exchanging DNA and they absorb DNA like food. Tell me a horizontal gene transfer means that they're just able to uh, join with each other. What's that mean? Horizontal gene transfer, HGT. There's a way that DNA gets transferred between microbes that's independent of reproduction. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And so there's ambient dead things everywhere and have been for all time. And DNA can take up to millions of years theoretically to break down. So, I mean, we're like caustically attacking it so that we can read it. Like it's very tightly bound, very, very, very powerful stuff. And what do you so learn from it? what do we learn from it? Yeah, well, we learned learn that in the codes. Well, let me get to that in a second. Let me finish oh, yeah. explaining what horizontal gene transfer is. So they're consuming DNA that's in the ambient environment. That's part of decomposition is DNA. Part of that organic matter 
that we see everywhere that's gloms of organic matter it's life so that's plant dna animal yeah. dna yeah. microbial dna and then there's bacteria all over it feeding on it feeding on the dna rich organic matter and so when we think about like signals dna is is part of that part of that process part of the environment and so microbes that suddenly switch and become pathogenic because pathogenic conditions where did they get the dna they consumed it from the environment and exchanged it with each other wow. and so there's different ways that bacteria will exchange one of those ways is they form microphalluses and then conjugate it's exactly what you think it is and the phalluses <laughs> spread right and then and then we just learned from steven because steven sends me the most amazing things in instagram messenger um that they actually have orbit so sometimes we see them vibrating like bunnies under the microscope and sometimes we see them doing this like twirling thing and then they spin off of each other and then they find someone else and spin off each that's their orbit bacteria has orbit and what do they do they carry they have phages that are holding like like chelators like chela like claws they're holding pieces of the DNA. The purpose of this, I mean, it's sensing their environment, but as well, they're, they, they might be shedding DNA they don't want. They might be using it as a shield. It might be part of it. We don't know yet, but, but it's Brilliant. incredible. God, We're, they're changing DNA. I screwed up. My, my format starts with, what container size is good for organics? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went deep, man, I thought we went deep. But okay, I thank you because I, I that did paint a wonderful picture of horizontal gene transfer. Right, yeah. and so when well, I look at somebody and right, so to answer your second question really quick, I'll do it short. No, when it. we look at the DNA of soil, we see the microbes that are present, but then we also see a huge amount of un, un like undiagnosed DNA, and that's the bank of chunks and sections of DNA that they literally can source. So everything is always there. The past is always around us. The soil is a history and a database. And so organic matter, microbes, all these things hold water totally. But the reason I'm doing DNA testing is I'm showing not just the moving river of DNA sure. that they can source from that's always changing, but it shows who's there. Uh, and the commonalities are like a Pareto distrib distribution where it's a hockey stick. But there's these commonality ones that stick out and they're like the all-stars just like and in nature you know there's only a few predators right and each but th there's also there's different predators that rule different lands and that you know so is is that the case with you know if it's a nutrient rich environment or, or a wet environment or you know, whatever that certain microbes will thrive i know that certain microbes thrive in more acidic environments and and lower phs so um, well, let's ask Chris about this. Chris, how important do you think it is to include like the, the waste product or something similar to what you're growing in the IMO or in the FPJ and that you're applying? And we don't even know what those are yet, man. Uh, I, I think it, it can be helpful if you have a hardy plant system, but if you have anemic, starving, funky right. plants, you, you're probably not, you're probably better off with the weeds that are around you that are nutrient rich and packed with all the things. And so we're getting benefit from, yeah, the, 
the biochemicals created for that environment by that plant, why that plant's thriving, because it, it, it creates uh, or, or it is capable of taking up uh, nutrients that help it to process in whatever environment would, you're in. I tell I you what, let me your families. Uh, just this is IMO we're talking about indigenous microbes. So, is that right? Sorry. Um, I was the, thinking uh, your family's macadamia farm. You know what I mean? That's such a perfect cycle. That's like the best. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we have a byproduct on our macadamia nut farm, and we we keep everything that isn't um, we're not getting paid on um, as much as possible. We keep it in the orchard. So we're, we're returning the husk that the nut comes in and the shell when we can that the nut back to the ground because there is so much of the work of formulating what's going to go into that fruit um, has been done in those container pieces. And so putting that back on the ground helps to uh, create the nutrients needed for these microbes to redistribute and feed the plant what it needs when it wants. And uh, yeah, I mean, environmental change affecting the DNA of the whole population in, in a soil environment is crazy stuff. What Matt's talking about is really heady and to <laughs> understand everything he understands, we would need to do, you know, a glossary project, just learning words, right? <laughs> but, but the, the, um, the ability for microbes to change, I think about like, I think about the um, progression of the West or California. Um, and you think of humanity and they came out here and you had some rugged people that were good with horses and fixing wagons and hammering out steel. And there was, that was needed. And then as we changed in um, time, fast forward a hundred years, now we need somebody that can process code and do tech stuff. You know, it's a very different skill set. And those are generations and generations of change. Well, microbes are doing that many generations of change in a week, in, in a year. And so the shift of what the culture looks like, what the people of the soil look like, is due to their environmental. Now, they're not settling the West but maybe it's a really wet year or really dry year. And you'll have other microbes that are full dormant because they don't like this environment. They really like wetter weather. They showed up on a, on a deer's foot, you know, 50 years ago from, you know, uh, some bog the deer walked through. And so they've gotten in this environment. They've moved around and made some babies. They have, they have a population, but they don't really like it when it's dry. So they all go to sleep and they're dormant and they're just sitting there in spore form. And, uh, and then there's a really wet year and all these dry, arid loving microbes kind of go, Ooh, we're not doing so good. We're all getting colds and their, their population diminishes a little bit. And now these ones that were from the bog, they're like, and then other people are copying them or other microbes are copying them. And you have horizontal gene transfer for adaptability to changing environments. And it's like, what are we don't know anything you know like the whole the whole environmental world under our feet can shift in uh in ways we are just beginning to even get a glimpse at and that's doing incredible work on mapping and understanding that which is really wild
I'm just getting a, a touch of it now. So, man, while I'm thinking about it, how do I learn about this stuff? Do you have any, first off, Matt Powers? Or how do I, how do I find you, man? There's a good book on it. Yeah, there you go, man. There you go. Nice. Um, cool. Nice. Just, that was, hold on. That was, plug that real quick, because some people do listen to the show, not just watch. Regenerative okay. Soil was the title. So Regenerative Soil and Regenerative Soil and Microscopy are my books. Um, okay. I. I, what what I did was follow the examples of all these amazing people and then figured out, you know, there's so many people that are figuring out how to do, do the right thing, but in different ways. And so I wanted to find the connections. I went down to the biochemistry, connected all those things. It features Chris Trump's work. It features a lot of different people's work. Um, and it that's regenerative soil. And then I went deeper with regenerative soil microscopy because... I mean, just fundamentals with soil science and numbers and counting. People are counting microbes. Meanwhile, they're taking structured soil, tamping it down. Remember, soil can be up to 50% air, then adding water to it, shaking it up. Now, the amount of structuring changes the actual amount of volume of the soil profile you actually took to create that force down one ml. So the numbers are all wrong. So we had to really create new ways of thinking about these things. I just went to like what biologists are doing with watching like predator prey populations until I was like, they're doing ratios. So that allows us to get past those kinds of issues. <laughs> so, so yeah, I do. I, 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 I basically troubleshoot and figure out how things work by doing a ton of reading <laughs> and a ton of testing and then talking to people who have done, you know, that 10,000 hours. That's Chris. Right. That's Steven. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And running my, these ideas and all these things I'm learning through people that have that experience. And they're like, oh, yeah, Matt, been doing that for years. Chris has said that to me so many times. And I'm like, no one knows this. He was like, well, I know this. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> So, Chris, man, how do you apply this? So, help, help if, if you're going to take some of uh, Matt's work and possibly some of Steve's. Steve, I'm sorry, you're my old friend, so I'm all enamored by my new friends. And I know Matt's got it going a little <laughs> bit, so I'm chatting with him. I got a ton to talk to you about. Uh, but, uh, Chris, if you were going to use some of uh, Matt's work or you know, some organic, what, what do you need to fix that soil where you're at? What are you going to do to that soil? Yeah, I mean, really, the the work I do with Korean natural farming or just natural farming and um, and taking indigenous microbes and and uh, getting them established in farmland is the work Matt's doing. It's it's the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. There's there's different techniques you could use for for sure. establishing organic matter and dry soil, sandy soil. I definitely bring in. But what Matt's talking about is in the my book. That's the thing. Is like. The book is him, <laughs> but for a but big that, section of that, you know, and then all the people that taught him. So, it, yeah. he is like a, a he's a source. <laughs> so, but but the the so I'm I I love the high science. I want to learn more. I'm always learning, and and um, what what Matt's talking about is is the science, if you will, of what I'm doing. Okay. 
And again, uh, this, that's what I'm asking the, the practical applications because it was so, what you're saying you pull nothing off the off your farm. Uh, I lost it with the ferments. You're, you're using sure. your fermenting. Yeah, or? No, it's a it's a whole rabbit hole. And and yeah. but really, what's neat about it is it's skill based agriculture. So, like, if you wanted to play a song on guitar, maybe it's your brother's, you know, 40th next year, and you're like, I'm gonna play him a freaking song. I've never played guitar. I'm gonna learn this song. You got the sheet music, you got the instrument, but you can't pick those both up and strum the tune. You have yeah, to put in the work. Yeah, you got you to gotta strum some chords and sound bad for a bit. And a year later, when it's your brother's birthday, you're going to have that song like Jimi Hendrix. Okay, so that's that's what we're doing here. And the reason it's challenging is that there's we're 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 trying to match speed with or pace nature nature's do does it this way and that's what that's what matt's doing he's like how does nature do it let's let's be more accurate in our application because we come to understand it a little better but really what we're doing is pacing nature so it can't be bro has a good idea and we willy-nilly off to to come up with something because there's there's legit rules in place. There's legit like laws that function on how these microbes interact. So when we're doing organic and we're trying to make soil alive, we are trying to come in step with how does nature do it? We can no longer hack it because nature and biology, this this life system has laws that are that's how it works. And if the better we understand it, which Matt's work, Steve's work, what all of us are doing in, in, under, in, in seeking to understand by going through the process of checking all this stuff out, we can say, ooh, we're going to actually adjust this thing or add this thing because we just, we've come to realize that, and that's how we've always done it. The, but the problem is we came to understand chemistry before we came to understand the microbiological world. So we said, we can throw all this at it and it makes it grow bigger. But then we're like, oh shit, but all the life dies. And now... We need to throw something else at it. And so hopefully we're coming closer to understanding. And uh, and then two years from now, we might go, damn it, we actually got it all wrong. There's a quantum hole that stuff just goes, you know, whatever. We don't we don't know how it works in totos. But um, but Matt's work and the work Steve's doing and the work I'm doing in in just um living with and, and working with and observing the system, we come to understand it a little bit better um, as we do that. Do you want to explain a little bit? What? Do you want to explain a little bit more about what IMO is? Because I think a lot of people, it's like Chris said, and every time we, I've heard him talk, IMO really is the, the key to the whole thing. And it really is how you can, you know, do everything from heal damaged trees to all, you know, all different kinds of cool stuff. Chris actually invented yeah. the, the pesticide version and a whole bunch of other versions of it. So it really is kind of the key to the whole thing in a healthy garden. Is that Korean natural farming what we're getting into? Are IMOs part of KNF? Yeah. Thinking? So Korean natural farming is only called Korean natural farming in the U.S. for some reason. It's practiced in some 70 plus countries and everybody just calls it natural farming. Um, right. we, we, we got that. We got that K in there. So um but yeah, it is, um, it's something that as the world shifted away from, um, it was going to be loud. Hold on a sec. We got to, we got to Harley cruising back. 
always, worse. I just, I just yeah. say it's a tractor. So you know IMOs I mean? are indigenous microorganisms. That's what right, man. So but they're specifically it, cultivated in a special way. Yeah, and and there's there's uh what what there is, and I want to like center in on is that there's a lot of ways to partner with and care for nature. There's a lot of ways to do this. And so this umbrella term regenerative agriculture um, is, is this kind of look at, hey, what are some of the different ways we can cultivate soil and life and diversity in our farmland? So Korean natural farming, I like because it's an elegant method. It's like, and it's, and it's the best at cultivating fungal diversity in, in my opinion, until I learned something new. Um, and what artists, we're, man, these guys are totally uh, Steve. You look like an art, uh, artist, at least. All right, this is this <laughs> is true. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I got a ton of stuff, man. Keep going, guys. So, Keep going. So, um, the, the key is uh, uh, fungi. We, we, um, we do commercial ag, we do, we're flipping our soil and everything dies uh, on the fungal level. It's, it's the most delicate part of it, it seems. It's a lot of it's surface dwelling, so you don't have to go very deep to kill it all. And uh, so as we lose fungal diversity, it's kind of like we all our, all our freeways and highways just got smashed and destroyed. And so the population's still kind of there, but nothing's moving right and everybody's isolated and uh, cloistered and... Um, yeah, you don't have the function of think of a, a human economy and all the things that happen on the roads and, and the, the shipping paths, that all kind of goes away. So to restore the functionality and the, the sharing of nutrients to trees and across, you know, through, through plants and, and the systems, we need diversity. We need the, the whole community so we don't just have one you know, job class, if you will. We don't want a monoculture. We don't want all blacksmiths in a prairie town because then who's, where's the farmer? Where's the doctor? Sure, um, we sure. need, we need the whole community that work together and in working together. That's the, that's the beauty too. just sidetrack. We don't understand how all of this works together very well yet. As a whole community worldwide, the smartest doctors right. in microbiology were like, how do they all work in community? How do these new, and we're like looking in these peepholes, trying to understand it and we're getting glimpses and we're like, wow, we learned that this happens, rhizosphere, rhizophagy, you know, the, the blasting of oxygen. And we're, we're excited about these new discoveries, but we're looking at like the, something the size of, you know, where do, where do you live, Scotty? Colorado. That was a trip. So we're, what, what's, what town? Uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. All right. We're trying to understand the world of, uh, you know, and how it all works. And we're looking at one apartment complex in Fort Collins, Colorado. And we're like, whoa, that's what they do. And then you're like, that's not a real good sampling of the whole picture. And so the whole sure. picture is like the diversity of the world. And we're looking in on apartment buildings. And that's and why... That's why the database is what I'm doing next after this 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 filming I'm doing right now. <laughs> I, I'm but, gonna ask you, man, is it a competition or a cooperation when you look at all, all the oh, all those microbes? Oh depending uh, who you're talking to. 
Yeah, it's a it's it's everything. I mean, it's the it's an economy, it's a drama, it's a war. <laughs> Depending wow. on where you wow. look, right? What do you we understand at, more? You know, and so microbes are space. Right. Ooh, so I think so, some of the cool things some of the cool things is Chris has managed to to, and Matt both have managed to discover many different uses for a lot of these different things as well. Like Chris is treating um, like, you know, mosaic virus and tomatoes, which is not supposed to be curable um, with IMO. Uh, you're, you know, Chris discovered the whole pesticide application with, with IMOs and a whole bunch of other cool things. So we're, we're still discovering uh, all these new different mechanisms of things you can do with stuff we've already been making for a long time, just applying them differently where the slight modification, that's where people like Chris and Matt really are, are pioneering a lot of this stuff. And Matt's mapping it out, you know, and confirming, you know, stuff that's in the microbes. And Chris is out there, you know, real world testing this stuff at, at big scales and all different types of, of crops, you know, um, if you've ever heard of Chris, his macadamia nut farm, uh, you know, he turned his farm around and they didn't have many other options except to go organic because it was too expensive to go synthetic. So that you really are the pioneers of, of, uh, of this uh, type of microbiological research. Yeah. How much time do you spend behind a microscope, Matt? All right. What? See you, Matt. Thank you for hanging. I just said, lastly, how much time do you spend behind a microscope? It's gotta be a bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I use it almost every day. Um, especially right now because I'm filming uh, a microscope course. Um, but but the thing is, the key is to have a rhythm and a pattern because if you're not looking at the same thing through its stages of development and growth, you really don't understand the life cycle of what's going on. Just like, I mean, when do you test your nitrogen? Everyone tests it at the end of winter, the beginning of so this height. And then at the end of summer, like when it's at its dearth, no one tests. And so they don't understand that these things are actually on a seasonal swing. Um, and regardless of whether you add it or not, it's on a seasonal swing. So it's like really important to recognize the full picture. Look at, I mean, my work really is what Chris said. I asked the question, what's most natural here? I, people are having success with chemistry. People are having success with, with, with biology. And there's limits and context and caveats to all of that. And so I went down to what nature did, how they arrived, how we arrived at using these things and exploited them essentially. And until we bring back those original cycles and we understand soil from a first principles perspective, we won't be able to really understand soil and, and partner with those cycles and get the, that honest feedback that we're doing the right thing. And that's the thing is it's like all they've done the hours on large scale operations where they've gotten that feedback loop and they're like, yes, I can tell by the plants. I know that's right. This is the right thing. And they, and not only that, Chris is, is like a master chef when it comes to this stuff. Uh, these are recipes and there's a difference between a chef and someone who's taking a recipe off the internet and doing it, you know? Um, and so, I go to the first principles and then I find them in people. And then Chris demonstrates those things and I have those recipes. And then I do um, examinations of them to showcase who's in there, why and what potentially, you know, because some of it, you know, butts up against the cutting edge, which is important. Because when we yeah. get to that unknown, that's where humility begins. And we should approach a space where we know like two to 3% of the bacteria only. Uh, with some humility. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's given us a lot, man. When you, when anybody, any biologist will tell you, we're just scratching the surface of all that, and we don't get it. We're but we have huge successes. But but we know it sure. works. We know like the pattern. I mean, Chris's pattern works. You know what I mean? And there's contextual patterns for so many things. I mean, Stephen pattern, Stephen's patterns work. Right. Um, I do EM. And I do like hybrids of things. I combine a lot of people's stuff together and I try them in different combinations and I love it. Um, so I have to run, but you can check out my work at the permaculturestudent.com or just look up my name Matt powers and Google and I'll be number one. So I love hey. you guys. Have a great time. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> Good meeting you, man. Love you, man. Hanging brother. All right. Have a great night, everyone. Take it easy, brother. All right, man. I, well, that was cool. Steve, you're all right, brother. I owe you one. When you come to the DGC Cup, you can pee in the RV. Okay, man? We decided. All right. Yeah, no portal. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Steve, man. I, can I call you Steven? I like that. Steve, tell me about your... Obviously, I can't, man. Tell me about your work. Everybody, I, I have a huge respect for these guys, and they have huge respect for you and your work. Uh, tell me what you do, man. What, what drives you? Uh, well, currently, I've been working on a lot of cool stuff um, with Popular Cultivars on our open source um, different projects with uh, open source registration of genetics, as well as um working on some cool ai stuff which i'm sure we'll talk about here in a minute but um uh right now i do consulting for aquaponics facilities uh, as well as education for and training uh sop auditing and things like that for aquaponic vegetable and cannabis facilities i also work on soil facilities as well uh, for living soil depending on the client and, and what they need but um and then also a lot of like coming into really screwed up grows and uh getting rid of the bugs or you know otherwise putting out fires that are uh, that are going on yeah I, I tell you what help me help me understand how we can use some of this to grow better cannabis and uh sure. a lot of us do a synganic approach i mean shit i'll take it for a real growers recharge plug right now yeah. i'm i'm loaded with with uh, uh synthetic nutrients in the grow dots and i'm pouring recharge on there once a week and uh i'm getting great results from it man so uh, I believe in, I know Synganics works, but uh, yeah, tell me about it, man. Oh yeah. So Synganics definitely works as long as you don't go uh, completely overdose it with the chemicals, you know, use too much chemical inputs or mineral inputs. You can definitely kill microbes, but as long as you're using them at the right ratios, you know, they're actually benefiting them because they have more, um, you know, Lego bricks to work with, to build up more plant material or plant tissue or compounds. You know, they have more, more things to, to work with and build from. Um, you know, you're also, when you're adding in nutrients and the microbes, you're kind of messing with that exchange rate. Remember that like, uh, the plants are trading sugars at the root zone for minerals and, you know, other things that they need. Um, when you inc increase the microbes and increase the minerals, you're kind of changing that sugar to, to mineral slash microbe ratio, um, and, and, you know, in the favor of the plant. So, um, that's another way I like to think about it is kind of the kind of like a stock exchange going on in the soil between the soil microbes and the plants it helps make it easier to visualize how the whole system works but i think that's right. really where you know um 
stuff like Chris's work with IMO. I know I'm always impressed every time I talk to Chris and some of his new uh, new breakthroughs uh, is going on with that. But um, that really is the key to, to the whole thing is is just your your microbes and just like with recharge. You know, if you're dosing with your stuff in there, you know, we use recharge a lot with aquaponic systems. It's fish safe, and um, you know, will absolutely help prevent a lot of the different, uh, especially pythium and root rot in aquaponics yeah. and hydroponics, uh, yeah. especially if it's in hotter. You know, if you're running warm temperature summertime nfts uh, and you're not using something like recharge or another microbial input you're definitely going to have you know problems with those uh, you know uh, having some of those pythium and other issues if you aren't keeping that thing alive it's why a lot of times people have issues with like sterile hydro when they try to run it outside because it's just not not the right environment you got to have those other microbes yeah. to kind of defend the plants no vacancy I mean? here baby yes yeah, sterile like, hydro is not like you defend these guys no Chris has got the conversation hoodie on, conversation starter, IMO. I wonder how many, how many people wow. misdiagnosed that. I'm like, I don't care about your opinion, man. You're like, no. In my opinion. Microbes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. This just goes, go ahead, Scotty. Oh, it's just funny as hell, man. It's good stuff. I love that this does really highlight, um, I don't know, Chris or Steve, you can answer this. Uh, the importance of microbes, however you're growing. And you can use water and microbes like recharge in any size container. But when you talk about KNF, uh, plant, you know, uh, plant extract, plant juices, FPJ, start firing some of these off. At what scale, you know, if you're in a two by four tent, I know you can still implement some practices, but you need a certain amount of a battery for like a living bed, right? If you're going to say, hey, I really want to do a living soil bed, it's going to be a minimum there. I can't really probably be in my three gallon pots. You know, the, the limit is there. What is the limit size wise? You're talking about some of these practices in a four by four ten, a two by four ten. Is it just too small? I should focus on synthetic then. It, it kind of depends. Uh, yeah, your your grow system uh, and and how you want to uh, accomplish this. But um, if you're doing synthetics, you guys are calling it. It's uh, good, uh, which which can totally work. You're kind of you're you're always gonna be off uh, a full natural system you're not you're not you know developing the nutrient cycling and and growing more diversity the the synthetic uh nutrients have a degradation kind of effect on on the population sure. over time um so you're constantly putting more in you you have something uh, a product you like and you're you're adding it and uh, and then you're adding some more of the nutrients. So you're kind of running um, high fuel, you know, high man hours kind of push the system, which when you're growing for profit, you are wanting to push the system. You you want to get maximum yields of maximum quality. So you're but you got to keep adding those things in that context. Um, you need enough room for a battery of life. But, um, but the, uh, but you don't need enough to have a self-perpetuating living system go for three years. So, um, you know, they, I think, uh, Steve would be able to answer better what, what size you want, uh, uh, um, Syngenic, Syngenic. Sorry, you I don't like I love it, do you, man? <laughs> no, I think it's great. Buddy. I think it's great. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan, especially somebody that's um, chem only, and they're like, I want to get into organic, but it seems like such a leap. It is, and it's super risky. I, I discourage you know risking your farm for somebody's philosophy. So, um, 
dipping your toe into organic um, with, with, you know, maintaining your system and just adding life to it. I think it's a great way for people to see the benefit of life in their system, positive life, not like I got a bloom of something bad, but I'm putting in some diverse beneficial life. So no, I'm a big fan. I'm, I don't, I don't knock anybody's growing practice, you know, farmers work hard and, and, um, but, uh, but I'm just talking about the, the real effect on biology. There is, you don't self perpetuate. Yeah. So, but I don't, I don't know what the ideal pot size is for, uh, for that size grow tent. What do you think, Steve? So I wouldn't go with anything smaller than three gallon pots, but think about it this way. Like what is it that we're trying to achieve by, you know, including the microbials in it, right? We're trying to increase mineral uptake and we're trying to increase the secondary metabolite production, your terpenes, your flavonoids, you know, uh, your esters that are going to create that smell, the flavor that we're after, that we're chasing for our plants, be it, you know, medicinal plants like rosemary or lavender or cannabis, right? So, um, I, you know, in my opinion, at least for cannabis, I would say three gallon pot because you need to have enough volume in the root system or at least two and a half minimum um, in order to get enough biome in that root system to trigger those genes, right? We're trying to trigger the the secondary metabolite genes in the, in the root system of the plant or in the leaf of the plant that are going to turn on those terpene producing, um, you know, secondary metabolite genes or flavonoids or whatever. And if you don't have enough of those microbes, you're not going to have that density high enough to trigger that. Um, But you don't necessarily have to have the entire root system. Like I really like dual root zone pots. We have the terrestrial zone on the upper half, you know, about two and a half, three gallons of soil. And then we have about two and a half, three gallons of soil, usually below that as well in flood and drain with the aquatic microbes. And that allows us to have, you know, double the diversity of it. But again, we're mainly just chasing that. Okay, how can I just ludicrously increase the microbial diversity in a non-pathogenic way to the root system to increase the... um, you know, secondary metabolite production. Again, cannabis or cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, esters are all those secondary metabolites that we're chasing, especially in cannabis. And the best, the only way to to really increase those levels is to increase the biodiversity of your your root system. That's why things like recharge and IMO both work extremely well at increasing those in particular. Yeah, man. Uh, I could ask, so how, first off, how do you, growing with fishes, uh, potent ponics, aquaponics. How does that fit into all this, man? Sure. So uh, I started my show actually after watching you guys back when you guys were on like episode 20 something, I think it was. And I was like, oh man, we should like, I got together with Marty and was like, hey, we should start an education, you know, podcast on aquaponics. And then after a while, you run out of aquaponic topics. So you got to transition to living soil or just general cannabis topics. But um <laughs> Uh, but that's how we started the, the podcast, actually, was after we, in fact, I was one of you guys' very first in-person guests back on episode 47, I think it was, or 46. Nice. Uh, you guys remember oh, that? I, back at uh, that grow shop, it was in like a grow tent. I, yeah. You guys in the studio and hanging out. Shout out to Way to Grow. That was great. Way to Grow supported us by giving us a 12 by 12 gorilla grow tent and putting it in their attic. They were like, what would you call it? It was like the, you know, like the plywood room on top of... Uh, you know, whatever on top of the uh, store, it's pretty hilarious, man. Yeah, humble beginnings. So, Steve, how's all that fit in? I mean, Chris, do you use any kind of uh, fish stuff or you know, uh, aquaponic principles or anything like that? How do how do you guys how does that fit into real real applications? Um, I I ran a, I built and ran a commercial aquaponics for um, baby romaine lettuce in Hawaii, and uh, we did it. 
um, semi-small scale. I mean, it was 100 pounds of lettuce a week. And, um, and we, um, uh, we were seeing about crop diversity, uh, moving away from just macadamia nuts. And uh, I loved it. It's, it's really one of the places I really started to kind of understand how the microbiological world works and, and, and begin to, you know, grow my appetite for understanding more. Um, and, uh, but I moved away from that. It didn't make sense for us to build that as a business and moved into doing natural farming on our Mac nuts because Mac nuts was so big. We're at 750 acres that just doing it 20% better was, was the goal. You know, if we do that better, it's going to beat everything we could do in a lettuce business. And, um, but, uh, it is not, um, something that you can grow in just water cannabis it's something that um people in hawaii tried there was some some uh, high profile can uh aquaponics people that ended up having to uh you know they 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 tried and failed at, at cannabis and still got in trouble for it um but um what what steve started playing with and i don't know uh how this began and its origins i think he should tell that story but the dual root zone being able to have terrestrial um microbes kind of uh, soil dwelling microbes and this aquatic life that where you also had this kind of wonderful cycling nutrient from the fish and you're just adding fish food um that i think is where cannabis was able to be done in aquaponics really successfully and it wasn't until dual root zone was you know a commercial cannabis function that anybody was really succeeding with aquaponics and i think steve was pretty integral in that i don't know of anybody talking yep. about it anyway before did yes. you invent that steve was that was that your brainchild yeah. Yeah, there was a guy who came and visited us from Serbia that actually did something similar, but he had rock wool on top instead of soil. And then uh, um, we were working with growing fruit trees at the time, and we were doing them in wicking beds. And we were like, well, hey, why don't we just try living soil instead? And uh, that was my idea to, to put, use the soil instead of the, the rock wool. And that's that's how we started with that. And the first run we did, we had tomatoes, and we did a side-by-side. -side. I have pictures of the whole run. And um, have you ever seen the root picture of it anywhere online? It's from those. But the tomatoes had 42% more flower sites and 38% more fruit. And the first fruit was ready two weeks before the, the water only control. So um, it really does make a big difference. And what I learned from Chris, too, is, is a lot of these inputs can be um, used in aquaponics. You know, I, I can never imagine doing an aquaponics system again without dosing with IMO or lactobacillus every every single week, you know, one or the other. Um, lactobacillus is super cool because uh, lactobacillus will get rid of E. coli, salmonella, listeria, and a whole bunch of other pathogens in the system, as well as your, your root fungi like pythium and things like that. It also will cure the fish fungi. So if you have secondary bacterial, external bacterial or fungal infections, it loves to eat that too. So you're also, you're basically making it healthier for the fish. You're reducing waste uh, in the in the system and you're making the system healthier for the humans that are eating, especially, you know, I truly think in, in three to five years, you're going to see lactobacillus required for commercial food production for hydro and aquaponics because it simply works so good as a food safety mechanism. How easy is it to make? That's one that's really easy to make, right? And beneficial to anybody that's growing almost probably in any media, cocoa, peat, whatever, if you want to water some 
lactobacillus in as i mean and i i thought it was an easy recipe without going to a ton of detail super but. super easy i think my uh my how-to video on that one's like five minutes and uh you are beginning to done in uh like three days and uh it's just a little bit of milk and some rice wash water um but it's it's also 70 percent of your gut microbes are lactobacilli family microbes like this is the microbe that runs the world if you will um it's a facultative anaerobe and um yeah it's it's kind of like the police you know keeping keeping things from getting too wonky if if we uh give them that uh that credit um but the uh yeah i mean um for for me i i think this knowledge becoming easy is how the world changes um i I'm still working on that and trying to work and be on site, you know, doing it for a living. But I did make some YouTube videos and I just put in a bunch of kind of free supportive information in my website to and and really to answer your question, Scotty, how do we use this all this heady science to grow better weed? Like start playing with some of these recipes, literally just dip your toe in one, go through it, become proficient at it and use it in your system and let your plants tell you how great that was. And uh, that's, that's a, that's a farmer's education. I mean, you really don't have to do a whole lot more than like, okay, try that one out. You got to get a, a jar and I need some rice and, you know, it's go to the store and get a jar and some rice and make it. It's, um, it's that simple. And that's the idea is that this is, yes, there's incredible, beautiful like we need to know this more high science that uh that takes us to better understanding and better use and techniques but um right now today there's some really great science-based techniques to uh do this yourself and uh you don't need to buy all any expensive products for it it's it's just kind of learn to play a song on the guitar and that macronutrients as well you can get out of out of uh, IMOs, so how, how do you it, get macros? So, um, in it, it kind of again back to how what's your system you're running? Um, I did an indoor soil system um, for a company in Colorado. Um, uh, we should take a, a field trip over there someday. Um, right. But uh, I'll drive. All right, I, come pick me up in Idaho. Uh, uh, but they've been running for, for three, three plus years, um, maybe four years now. And, uh, they are, um, you know, living soil, some of the most diverse soil I've ever seen in the world, wild forests included, um, just with IMO. And now really what the, the, the way to feed it is top dressing compost or Bakashi, you know, and you can put, uh, you know, nutrients in with that. You can also spray on. Uh, we do a, a foliar uh, available um, nutrients for cannabis in uh, in natural farming. Um, so so things that the plant can literally take up through its leaf tissue. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's a living soil bed that now has macros and micros cycling. You have real rock and sand and silt and clay in there. And, um, and then top dressing, you know, compost, 
um, all the time. You just keep feeding it because it's like an engine running at full speed yeah. and it just mouths through. There's so many worms and so much life and it's just going through anything you put on the surface in a couple of days. So it's, and that's uh, what the sand and silt and clay, those are the macronutrients. You're getting the macros from there, the NPK. Those are microbes. You mean you mean like NPK, your macros? Yeah, where, where do you get the macros from? Yeah, so the amount of nitrogen in the system when you have this abundant compost-fed, worm-infested system, uh, it is packed with nitrogen. You have a ton. And the compost is where you're getting it. There's nitrogen in everything you're throwing gotcha. down. So gotcha. food waste, compost, um, you know, um, yeah. And, and so you can also um, use manure. You, you take IMO and, and uh, cure it uh, with the microbes and, and put down straight good old uh good old manure and uh you know I, I have a friend that swears by alpaca manure for cannabis um, on the topic of macronutrients though and, and um, natural farming um that's one of the things we've been working with with uh, the copy left cultivars um nutrient ai uh, is that uh it, it does a lot of that factoring in different plants that you can gather on the property for imos uh for for IMO three and stage three and four, or for making FPJs or um, some of the JDOM inputs for making the, or even fermented uh, IMO, plant fermented IMOs to make some of these different uh, preparations to have, you know, those different nutrient levels. It basically looks, okay, if I want to have uh, micronutrients, um, stinging nettle is a great one for bioaccumulating those. If I want something like silica, horsetail is going to be a great one for that. So by utilizing what, what plants already have high levels of different nutrient inputs, you can kind of make an educated guess within a certain range of the nutrient profile of that compost or of those plant ferments. And that's what we've been working with at Copyleft Cultivars. Um, if anyone wants to check that out, they can check that out of a Copyleft Cultivars on, on Patreon, which is the link directly to the AI uh, free version and, and the, the, the beta version if you can pay to be an early subscriber if you want. Um, and that's really what that's designed to do is kind of simplify a lot of that stuff so that, you know, someone that's just getting into it can have some simplified recipes based on their location, you know, what invasive plants or native plants are in their area on their property and, um, you know, what those nutrient levels are. And again, it's not perfect, but it will get you within a, a pretty tight range on your nutrients so that you can have, you know, a more educated guess on those those levels. Can you have the developer add that bud rot is prevalent in the Pacific Northwest rainforest for outdoor growers? Because yeah, it's been a <laughs> have it suggest to be very cautious or to not grow outdoors. Um, I did want to man. Course, I did want to mention one other thing. Okay, oh, no, hit it. I was just going to say, uh, Chris also is, uh, in my opinion, invented probably the coolest KNF input there is, and maybe he can give a little story about it, but. Um, with the weevils and the macadamia nuts, um, and uh, and how he discovered that IMO could actually can be one of the best pest uh, control agents because it certainly has saved my butt. It saved my butt in Zimbabwe when COVID broke out. We had no way to get a hold of any pesticides anymore because they shut down all the imports into the country. And I've used it in Thailand. I've used it in in the United all across the you know Oklahoma and Central U.S. and South Southern U.S. as well as. Uh, um, you know, uh, in Thailand and in, in, uh, in Zimbabwe and everywhere else. So, uh, Chris, do you want to mention that too? Because that really was, in my opinion, probably the coolest thing I've I've learned from you on natural farming by by a long shot. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Steve is 
you've been integral in in uh, trialing it all over the place, so uh, it's definitely uh, gained oh. from that. But uh, yeah, so I, I we call it IPMO. Uh, we we assign the letters of the acronym slightly different depending on who you're talking to, I'm like integer integrated pest management uh, organism, you know, uh, or uh, uh, integrated predatory microorganism, I think is what, uh, or something like that. It's like Steve that. says, indigenous predatory microorganism. So I like both of them. Like but uh, the, uh, yeah, it's so um, we can buy bacillus, sub, uh, uh, no, it's, um, Bavaria Bassiana, thank you. We can buy that in a jug, and it's a uh, predatory um, uh, entomopathogenic fungi. It it attacks um, attacks the carapace of uh, you know uh, carapace insects. So uh, insects with an exoskeleton, grasshoppers, um, ants, um, uh, all kinds of creatures, beetles. Um, are all they all have a, a chitin protein in their exoskeleton? Spider mites. Uh, so it's possible, yeah, but spider mites can really be controlled by by a living phylosphere uh, or canopy. Um, so so fungi and bacteria on your leaves um, can help them uh, be uh, less susceptible. Um, spider so, mites. Yeah. Wow. You can you know. Keep going with that, really. There's, there's. Tell me about so, that. Yeah, so, so a uh, uh, plant with uh, complete proteins in its cell walls, or or a, a plant that is very healthy. First of all, it's going to be less susceptible because the energy for a uh, insect to eat through and suck out the juices, or or to thrive on that plant, is going to be too great for the energy they're getting back like do you ever do you ever uh, take the job that's going to cost you more to do the job than they're going to pay you Try you don't not. No, yeah exactly not. exactly <laughs> so this this is the exchange the calorie exchange for for plant for micro or um insects when a plant is producing complete proteins in its cell wall instead of having a capri sun where i just got to stab the straw in I got like six overlapping of those, like, you know, those packages that like your, your, uh, your SD card for your camera came in and it was like so hard to open. You were going to like kill yourself with a knife trying to get through that plastic. Now we got six of those wrapped. You're like, that's not even worth the effort to open that. I don't, I don't need it this much. Um, and, and so they go in and suck on or, or predate. Um, also, their population isn't going to be as supported as well if they're burning more calories than they're getting by by trying to get their food. They're looking for typically bugs, love anemic, struggling, or or overfed plants. So a living soil system, the right nutrients at the right time, and the plant has a healthy cell wall. That's kind of where that comes from. A having life on its leaves actually fosters um, it using atmospheric nitrogen. Um, but not going into that. IPMO um, is a, a way of cultivating indigenous um, kind of carapace loving fungi. And uh, what you can do is use uh, an auger, if you will, of carapace. So in the rice, we put in some um, insect frass or the actual insects we're trying to kill. You got a bunch of beetles, you do a trap and you 
put them into the rice. Now put that out in nature. Just because you put that out in nature in this IMO one process that you can uh, learn about on my YouTube, Chris Trump, or going to biomay.solutions, which is my website here, you can learn how to put these collections out. So you do normal IMO one rice collection with the microbes in there. And um, if you're getting bloom on that, uh, that carapace, when it comes back, you have a carapace eating uh, fungi. And that um, is now indigenous. So you're not bringing some weird thing in to your environment. It's from your area. And um, that will self-perpetuate in your area. Now, if you're doing um, synganics, um, it might not be self-perpetuating because you're knocking Hailed down it. the population. Um, but um, yeah, you can, in a living system, have now a kind of resident predator. You Just like they introduced the canadian wolves in yellowstone and now there's just uh endless gray wolves you know right they manage the population you can bring in a predator of grasshoppers beetles ants etc and it's going to stay there and it's going to keep diminishing the population and some insects are totally susceptible to it um steve used it on on locusts in in Zimbabwe, and uh, to great effect, I think he had said 100% kill while the neighboring neighboring farm was being devastated. So um, this is this is self cultivation of predatory fungi, and it works really well against cool. beetles, leaf hoppers, stink bugs, um, your larger insects that you normally have a harder time treating. Uh, they really are a pain in the butt and um, uh, to treat, you know, they don't respond to Variboxiana or Retorizium or Acerea fumaceraceae. These are the ones that you know, really work well with IPMO. Um, I even had somebody in Thailand tell me they tried it and it worked well for their broad mites. Now, I haven't observed that, but I have two different people that have written me and said, hey, this worked for me. So it's worth a try. I can't guarantee that it's going to work for that. But I, I, uh, I can't imagine ever going back to not having it in my tool chest because especially if you're doing with outdoors in the U.S., you know, Oklahoma especially, you get a lot of larger arthropod insects that are hard to deal with that are flying, and it works really well for them. Even blister beetles, which are super resistant to most of your pesticides that really screw up your livestock. Anyone that has livestock anywhere in the central part of the U.S. has dealt with blister beetles. Um, it works extremely well against them as well. I had a whole a person use that on their pastures uh, last year, and it worked extremely well for keeping them off uh, of the pastures and it has a multi multifaceted effect right so not only are you increasing the um amount of fungi that can straight up just infect and kill the insects you're also increasing the the bioavailable chitinase that's directly available to the plant to trigger those insect resistant genes in the plant the chitinase is basically making the plant think it's being fed on by insects so the plant is increasing its own sar response so it's defending itself with heavier chemical weapons against the insects than it would without it as well. So you're kind of getting, you know, a twofold effect on that, as well as increasing the calcium levels as well that are hyperbioavailable. So you're getting multiple different effects on, on um, you know, how it's increasing the plant, uh, you know, defense system. Super cool. Awesome. Yeah. And I followed it all. It's a good good analogies and a way to describe it, Chris. Um, man. I don't know. Are we, are we, are we wrapping? Are we good? Chris, you got in your car there. It must be getting a little bit more colder in Cali where you're at. Yeah. I also, I have to get back on, on site to, to finish okay. some of our work today no with the crew on the farm. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, if I, I just uh, if people really want to go down the rabbit trail, the best way that I can teach this stuff is taste, touch, smell. So I do just a few in-person classes a year. Um, I highly recommend those. Uh, it's a ton of fun. You get community and those are on my website. Um, so people, if you have listeners that are like, I want to go all in, um, come to a class and, and uh, really develop the skills you kind of you kind of leave with a degree, if you will. It, it skips you a lot of the learning curve. Um, but otherwise, there is a, a digital uh, class I do on my website, and that that's a a way in. You don't get to smell it, you don't get to taste it or or touch it, and so there's some nuance lost. And um, so I highly recommend the in person. But yeah, the online classes is great, and um, yeah, I, just a strong encouragement to try it. Just just play with some stuff. Get the benefit. If you if you crush it, then you're like, okay, why wouldn't I learn a little bit more about that? That's that's the best way to learn as a farmer. And then you're not like begrudgingly trying to do something that somebody's telling you to do. Sure. Sure. Man, it I... was really good talking to you guys. I'm gonna take off. Chris, thank you so much for making the time. Wow. Man. I know you're busy. I know you're uh and man, you're a badass, man. Really appreciate yeah. all the work you're doing, spreading that knowledge. It's really cool talking to you guys too, and talking to you again. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. And this is awesome. Yeah, next time See, you're in Colorado, so hit me up, man. Yeah, I I do have to take a trip out there, and I am gonna visit that farm. It, it would be pretty cool for you to come check it out, and blow your yeah. mind. Consider All right. an official invite, man. See you guys. <laughs> be good, Chris. Thank you. I want to throw throw in there since we're kind of at that time, Scotty. Is hey, if you guys have gained some knowledge. And if you haven't from the show, I don't know what you've been doing um, or enjoyed it. Dudegrows.com forward slash pros. That's where we list our pros. A good way to upgrade your grow. Don't forget about Scotty with realgrowers.com. Get that yeah. recharge in your soil. Uh, and Steve, hooking it up, man. I, I will have to talk after the show. I got more and more going on. When you say aquaponics, um, I get excited. I got tanks that I fill. Just use hand water my plants, which is kind of like aquaponics. Yeah, but, it is. Yeah. I always want to learn more on that. And Scott, anything else you have wow. to add or shout outs as well, Steve, that you have, have at it. I just want to tell you, man, you don't have to bother anymore. I don't have to bother uh, watching Chris Trump videos or anything. Cause you could just ask Steve's AI man. just yell it into the air. No, what the, it's, it's seriously re I reiterate on that, man, is that that's sure. if you want to learn all this IMO and uh, all, all these farming practices, not Korean farming, natural farming practices, that you would sure. do that? Is that what it is? Yeah, so basically, um, we try to simplify the whole process and make it region specific because everybody um, has different plants that are available in their property um, that they can turn into fertilizer or pesticides depending on what it is uh, cool. that you're trying to do. <laughs> Um, and uh, you can go to copyleftcultivars.com uh, or copyleftcultivars on Patreon uh, and find out information on how to link to it. We have two different versions right now. We have the beta client um, that's going to be our first free release that'll be out sometime in the next 30 to 45 days. We're just getting the last couple of kinks out of it, and then that'll be available for free for anybody who wants to, to try it out. Um, it also speaks over 125 languages, which is super cool. Um, we're always adding new languages to it as well so that people can, we can kind of democratize the um, natural farming methodology because it's not available in most languages. It really is English and, and Japanese and Korean. 90% yeah. of it is in or more. So um, this immediately makes it available for people around the world. Um, and uh, it also simplifies it. You basically put in 
where you are in the world or approximately where you are in the world if you don't want to be specific, um, your grow bed sizes or your pot sizes and uh, what you're trying to do. You want to put a fertilizer, uh, you're dealing with pests, whatever it is that you're dealing with, and it'll give you a solution based on the exact scale that you, you're you growing at. So if you're doing six plants in a grow tent, um, it'll do, give you solutions for that, but it'll also give you, you know, six acres or six hectares, um, you know, scaling as well. So, you, you know, it might tell you to go pick 30, 30 tons of stinging nettle or something crazy, but it'll right. give you a nutrient solution that makes sense that you know accounts for the nutrient parts per million um uh, i built a project called nutrient the open nutrient project to kind of document all as many different plant nutrient parts per million into one place um, we then put that in along with some other cool uh stuff that the team over popular left cultivars there's over 14 people working on this ai um, to try and make the ultimate you know soil organic guru um, and, and that you can talk to. And the next versions we're working on will have photo recognition to identify diseases and, and nutrient deficiencies, as well as um, uh, a voice as well. So people don't even have to be literate. They can just hit the button, ask it what to do for their garden, and they don't even have to be able to read. And that's going to really help a lot of people in third world countries and, and places yeah. far away really have access to education that they would never have access to as long as they have a phone, you know, for free, you know, without having to do anything. Um, and uh, if anybody wants to donate or, or help out their time or has skills that'll be useful they can check you know email us over at copy left cultivars uh you know check out the website you can find out our contact info um, we're happy to find you know new people for the team uh, or if you have you know useful stuff and can contribute or if you just want to uh, participate um people that donate to the project do get early access to the beta versions and all kind of the, the next version before we release it for um so that's kind of how we're supporting it this way we can release it for free but we still have a way to kind of keep it funded because it, it isn't che you know cheap to do the server costs and all that for Pray I these days. That is cool. That is cool, man. Very good. I'm proud of your work too, Stephen. I like <laughs> that. Man. I like that. <laughs> oh, that's about it, man. Hey, how does everybody find you and all that? You you got your potent ponics brand still? Yep. Yeah, potent ponics and all the platforms, all the different podcast platforms, Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube. Um, trying to do more more content off of YouTube because YouTube's been assholeish lately towards a lot of the people Late. in the community so uh, uh yeah trying trying to diversify the platforms it seems like there's a big following on some of the other ones seems like the, the, everyone's finally starting to shift around so um it's been good all right you have to get me on them man steve's always calling me up being like, you got to get on rumble man i'm like well, i don't even know what that is i don't know what that is by the way, we are on Rumble. Thanks for you. Always message me. They're like, get on Rumble. It's like, we are on Rumble. Thanks for watching. There's four people. <laughs> Who knows? This was really fun, Steve. I owe you one big time, man. This was really cool. Thank you for uh, uh, pulling your friends in on this one, man. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, it's always that. fun to, always Thanks, fun to hop on a show with my best friends. <laughs> They're cool. And they're a huge respect. I mean, uh, they respect the hell out of your work, man. That's awesome. Those are some big names right there, bro. Yeah. And come hang with your friends. Potent Ponix says he's going to be at the DGC Cup. That's one of the greatest side effects. I'll if I call it a side effect of the DGC Cup. Just hanging out with all these people, being able to talk on some good weed, have a good time. <laughs> the side effect is never being able to pass a weed test, man. That's the drug yeah. test. That's the side effect of going. Me, every year, me asking Scotty... Do you know how red your eyes are right now? Like, are you yeah. good? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Just All right, boys. We're out of here, everybody. Take your easy. Steve, thank you, my friend. <laughs> Cheers. Yes. Peace out. <laughs>